with all of this technology, where should I start? <laughs> and unfortunately, it's not an easy answer. It's different for every single company and brand, depending on the nature of their customer base, of their industry, the competitive rivalry, your biggest competitor and how deep their pockets are. So we really do try to take a step back and, and think about the entity, right? along with their vision and their strategy. And, you know, there's no magic to that. That's usually where we consultants get started. But really looking at those high return on investment or high ROAS from a marketing perspective areas. And then we've created the traditional consulting matrix of plotting that against the level of effort. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled today to have our guest, Lockie Andrews, on the show. Lockie joins us as founder and CEO of Catalyst Consulting. And Lockie, it's a pleasure to have you on. Maybe you can say hi to our listeners uh, and tell them a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. As you said, Lockie Andrews, and I have been leading the charge here at Catalyst Consulting for the past 17 years. We are focused on digital marketing and performance marketing and performance branding. And we do that mostly for private equity and venture capital backed brands, but also support large corporates and enterprises who are interested in repositionings as well as taking potentially smaller incumbent ideas and leveraging innovative technologies to push them forward. So it's thrilling to be here talking about this subject today, because as I mentioned, uh, that sometimes I take on roles within the companies because we go a little bit further than just hands-off recommendations. Sometimes we actually work alongside as full-time. And one of the ways that you and I actually met each other was through uh, a relationship like that. But I'm currently the CEO of Rich Hair Care US, and this has been an exciting journey to take this brand to the next level through a repositioning. Uh, yep. And, you know, for our listeners, Lockie and I have known each other for you know, about half a decade here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Lockie previously ran digital at Untucket, which has been a longtime Simon Data customer. Uh, you know, and I've gotten to know Lockheed quite well over the time. You know, we you know, both live in the same neighbor, neighbor, neighborhood in Brooklyn. Uh, we get together over drinks or, or breakfast fairly regularly. And, you know, I'm, I'm tremendously excited about today's show because it really gets into what I think is Lockheed's superpower. You know, and that's really bridging the creative opportunities around personalization, around brand building, uh, really being hyper in tune with what the customer needs, uh, especially for products that, you know, you know, aren't one size fits all, you know, and then bridging that back into commercial opportunities and bridging that further yet back you know, into technical uh, capabilities, the data, the AI, you know, advancements in ML. And, you know, you know today's episode is, is really just going to, you know, start from a place that, you know, is hyper, hyper specific. And then we'll back all the way down, you know, up the value chain, uh, you know, into the why and the how, uh, you know, from there. But, you know, really focus on a very specific you know, opportunity, rich hair care, you know, which is your primary point of focus right now, Lockie. But before we get into that, you maybe you know, tell you know, tell our listeners just a little bit about your your background a bit more broadly, and then from there we'll get you know, into the opportunity at rich hair care. 
Yes, uh, and thank you for noticing. <laughs> Part of uh, the sweet spot of, of what I do is having the ability to commercialize creativity. And, and that's part of the reason why I've taken half of my career to develop the operational skill set and combine that with consultative best practices to move forward. And, and so part of that actually, it started back at Georgetown <laughs> undergrad when I was studying finance. I actually took a few courses in uh, computer science. Uh, the actual professor told me to focus on computer science as a major. One of my big regrets that I didn't, but you know, we'll talk about that at a later time on a different podcast on our regrets in life. But I was able to really leverage that opportunity where I understood computer science and how to create things versus staying within the safe confounds, right, of the financial world where there's debits and credits and there's one way to do it. And it's been done that way since the beginning of time, right? When you're in technology, it's really an enabler and you're able to push the boundaries and do things that you've never done before. So it's in that marriage of creativity and commercialization along with technology that I found a lot of success. And so whether that was in an operator's role as the chief operating officer of a fashion brand, leading them to new heights and new categories of product, or as a consultant at Untucket, as you said, and really having great product. But at the time that I came into the company as an IT consultant, what we were lacking was a database, a CRM structure to be able to help the company scale. And we did that 3.5x times, which is exciting. We won awards on all the work we did with Simon Data and Snowflake and all the usual suspects that we have in our ecosystem. It was an exciting time. And that's what I've been able with my team to deliver, whether internally at a company or externally from a recommendation perspective. And there's a lot that we can do, I think, in this time. I've been calling it the roaring 20s for data (laughs) because I think the unlock opportunity are pretty great right now. That's great. Well, you're certainly preaching to the choir uh, on that one. Uh, but let's get into rich hair care. Maybe you know, tell our, our listeners a little bit about the product, a little bit about the opportunity. Uh, maybe educate us a bit on Rick Ross's beard. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Rick Ross was one of the early influencers for Rich Hair Care. It's an Estonian brand. And so operating out of Europe, uh, the company actually has a deep history in the hair care industry. And interestingly enough, <laughs> through all of the countries that they worked in, they actually didn't have distribution here in the United States. So it was a blank slate. They were able to take all of the learnings and the plethora of products that they have through the 20 plus brands that they have as part of their holding company and established here in the U.S. And they chose chose men's beard care as the first category. And it did incredibly well pre-pandemic. Unfortunately, probably given the distance, and I wasn't involved at the time, the company sort of faltered. And I was brought in around that time to really help take the brand to the next level and to help them figure out what should their distribution and go-to-market strategy be here in the U.S. And what's unique about Rich 
Rich Hair Care is they offer natural ingredients that have been sustainably sourced across the world. And so the European roots, it's really more of a heritage approach, allows them to learn from the big beauty conglomerates like the L'Oreal's and Estee Lauder's of the world that have been around for hundreds of years, and then pioneer that with manufacturing and technology advancements from a sourcing perspective. And adding that with proprietary formulations, they can package all of that for consumers at an affordable cost. So we've been calling calling this affordable luxury and the democratization of beauty. That's really what we want to try to bring to bear with rich hair care. And as an example, just imagine the complexity of this, right? In the United States, we have different weather patterns. Weather patterns affect hair. As well, we're a diverse nation. We have many different types of people and ethnic considerations when it comes to products. So we have the ability to generate right, new products with customers that are specifically formulated to try to get to that, not necessarily one-to-one, but hopefully one-to-many in a way that feels authentic for these customer groups and then leverage all of the generative AI and the marketing use cases to do that so that it can be the most effective. So as you can see, it's a big charge, but we're really excited to try uh, yeah, no, that, that's great. And, you know, Lockheed, we were having breakfast the other day and, and sort of talking about the opportunity. You know, I was just reflecting on my own, my own beard and, uh, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, this whole cottage industry was bigger than the cottage industry now around, you know, beard care. And, you know, when it gets too long, I just trim it, you know, but there's an entire education angle as well for folks like myself, you know, who could grow a longer beard if they have the right product. Yeah, so that's independent of where I live. If I live in the South or if I was born again as an Indian or a black person, uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd have, I'd probably have the same set of issues. <laughs> that's right. And you just need the right tools and the right brand, right? To understand how to unlock those opportunities for yourself. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you're sort of talking about one thing that I found super exciting about this specific opportunity is, you put a marketing lens on you know, how you think about marketing personalization, but you also put a CEO hat on yeah. uh, as well on how to really you know, bring this product you know, internationally to you know, into the right hands and thinking about the product itself, thinking about delivery, you know, think about the entire experience. And, and maybe you can just talk about that at a high level and then get into some of the specific capabilities uh, that you think are really going to make some of the magic happen. Yeah. Yeah. We think about Gen AI here at Catalyst Consulting in three big pillars. And while absolutely there will be benefits no matter what company or brand it is across all three, you know, as you said, we're really focusing on those marketing use cases to start with. But at a high level, you know, the three big areas that are well documented at this point that we find the benefits of Gen AI uh, are number one, increasing human productivity. And we're really going to push the boundaries there as a repositioning and a small team, a small but mighty team. (laughs) We are very ambitious in being able to drive tremendous yield out of the teams that we have. So simple things like content generation, obviously the things that we can do today with Gen AI tools from blog posts to images to videos, uh, we are really pushing the boundaries and, and really experimenting with these tools to see can we get the kind of efficiency that we need at a price point and in a time frame that'll help us accelerate our growth? And that goes from everything from employee tasks 
right? So the things that we do, we want to do them faster, which hopefully will equal accelerating value delivery, right? We want to increase uh, our throughput, but also do that at a higher quality, right? So we're really going for a 10 here. The second area is in, uh, you know, optimizing operational efficiencies, right? That, that will happen. We have a very significant supply chain, but as I said, we get the benefit of uh, cribbing off of a lot of the success of our European partners who've been doing this for 40 plus years. And so when we look at our supply chain, we're leveraging predictive analytics. We don't have advanced tools, but we do have on our roadmap an opportunity and an ability to leverage that across the other 40 brands right? <laughs> that we see in our respective ecosystem and through partnerships that we have with some of our clients. And so avoiding those stockouts is really important. We're sold on our website as well as Amazon and ultimately will be back in the retail level, having the right product at the right place at the right time at the right price point is incredibly important and hard to do, but we want to tackle that leveraging the best of Gen AI tools. But the part where I'm most excited, as I said, is in enhancing that customer experience and the revenue, right? Being able to think through the targeted, hyper-personalized marketing and providing those dynamic product recommendations if you want to grow your beard longer, if you want it to be softer. There are ingredients, depending on your hair type, that are better suited to be able to do that. So all of these things are incredibly difficult to orchestrate, but with a tech stack that obviously is integrated, but unlike AI, because we've had AI, right? None of this is new, as you know, right? You've forgotten more about this than I probably know. <laughs> AI has been around for a very long time, but it's Gen AI and giving the advancement opportunities to the marketing teams and each of the respective stakeholders. That's the incredible opportunity that sits in front of us, that low code, no code, natural language processing opportunity that we can upskill a group of people and have them focus on the right things. So all of that at a high level is where why we're excited about Gen AI and particularly in this hair care space. Yeah, I, I can imagine just sort of the content generation opportunities. Uh, you're trying to enter new markets uh, with new personas, you, everything from just being able to rapidly iterate you know, and explaining your value proposition in a way that's specific you know, to you know, someone, in that, someone in the South in a specific state in Florida, Alabama, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, with a specific background, specific type of hair, uh, you know, and then iterate on the approach. And again, you know, dimensions you know, from everything from folks who have you were know, proficient in beard care products to folks who are <laughs> you know, newbies like me who right. uh, you know, just need to you know, learn, learn, learn a few things. I think one of the areas that we see with our customers that I'm super, super excited, you know, I think it's super relevant rather to, you know, to this application is this, is this time to market, mm-hmm. you know, and you can try things out in a way that you know, might take an afternoon, whereas previously, you know, with content production and uh, you know, pipelines and having to deal with you know, you know, outsourced labor or, or, or having your FTEs own this stuff, otherwise in the past taking days or longer. Um, you know, so it's, it's really a trans, trans, transformative function. Completely agree. And as you think about all the permutations, right, you can A-B test yourself to death and get nowhere. But this is an area where it shows Gen AI and its ability to do new things and to take in large data sets and do the compute power and have the compute power that we as humans don't have. It's amazing how we're able to spin up so much content 
copy <laughs> and do it at a, a singular level, not just at an audience level. It's, it's amazing. And I think that's what it's going to take to really allow, at least for, for rich and its really ambitious charge to be able to have success. So it's sort of doing it at a time when the technology enables us to actually have a shot at hitting it. Yeah. So, so, so maybe one question here. Uh, yeah, I think you, you definitely do not give yourself enough credit around your knowledge of AI. Um, many of our listeners today probably know at least a little, at least enough to be dangerous. Mm. You know, I think you know, with the proliferation of Gen AI tools today, I think so many people feel as if the world is their oyster. Mm. You, know, yet you wake up, you, know, you, you get your cup of coffee, you sit in your virtual desk, or maybe you go into an office if you're in the minority these days, and you just... And, you, know, you just have paralysis. But there's so many opportunities in front of you. How do you think about, you know, A versus B versus C, and what, what frameworks do you use, and you know, you know and, and and what sort of guidance would you give to our listeners? Yeah, we we often have this conversation. Um, the point of overwhelm again gets it happens quicker nowadays since we do have a, a very vast array of opportunities and places to start. Right, that's probably the number one question I get is with all of this technology, where should I start? <laughs> and unfortunately, it's not an easy answer. It's different for every single company and brand depending on the nature of their customer base, of their industry, the competitive rivalry, your biggest competitor and how deep their pockets are. So we really do try to take a step back and, and think about the entity, right? Along with their vision and their strategy. And, you know, there's no magic to that. That's usually where we consultants get started. But really looking at those high return on investment or high ROAS from a marketing perspective areas. And then we've created the traditional consulting matrix, applauding that against the level of effort <laughs> in those resource constrained environments where we, we have that scarcity. You know, we're looking for the low hanging fruit opportunities. That in the bottom of that quadrant, right, where we understand it's it doesn't really take a lot of effort to be able to generate, you know, what we hope is a high ROI opportunity. And we start with looking at that analysis. So it's actually a financial analysis, harking back to my finance background. <laughs> We've developed this uh, really uh, great opportunity set where we understand based on looking at companies of a relative size, what kind of ROI or ROAS opportunity do we have with this particular customer based on the margin, right, of the product. And then we start to go down the line and understand from a use case perspective, as well as the level of effort required from the cross collaboration, right? I think that's what people don't really fully understand about deploying these types of initiatives where the more data set you have, the better, but they've got to be clean data sets. The data governance structure needs to be there. The architecture, all the things that hopefully they've been working on all along, but they probably haven't been thinking about how it interacts with the marketing side of the business or the product development or supply chain. And in order to do some of the use cases that I noted, you know, we recognize the more <laughs> collaboration that's needed, the slower we can get there. So sometimes that really does from a, a long-term 
long-term perspective, limit the return on investment opportunity, but we do singularly stack them up and then work with the management teams to understand how we can move through it quickly. But that buy-in on those first few with the high ROI and the low effort, that's the magic. That's what gets the organizations excited about the future and about leveraging technology in unique ways. Uh, yeah, no, I'll add a couple of thoughts there. I mean, I think yeah, the ROI has you know, two sides, the R, the R and the I. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think you know, your speed to market is everything. Mm. Uh, you know, and you know, ultimately you can sit around and you know, estimate you know, what will have the highest R. Yeah, and you should develop competencies and the right analyses and the right governance to get as good as that as possible. You know, but the superpower of many orgs is the ability to minimize the I. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not make things you know, hard. Let's you know, make sure that we can you know, test things quickly, mm-hmm. have the right people on the systems and the processes in place so that something is going to work. You know, we can understand within a few days and then really just double down there. And if it's not going to work, we won't have spent three months you know, with some massive Gantt chart you know, planning out you know, billions of dollars <laughs> of resources. Um, you know, the other dimension is, is look, you know, for folks who are really looking to double down on Gen AI and put that into a big part of their workflow, you know, there's an, there's an old adage in data called garbage in, garbage out. You know, the quality of your analyses, the, you know, your ability to personalize you know, content you know, that may be Gen AI created content based off of you know, data on uh, your customers is only as, you know, only as effective as the quality of the data on your customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and really thinking about you know, how are you collecting the data? How are you aggregating the data? How are you making sure the right mechanisms in place you know, to make the right inferences and that they're accurate within reason? You know, don't let perfection be the enemy of good, you know, but there is a, a quality bar you know, that needs to be hit for these things to work. You know, and, and you know, for many of our customers, you know, we really find that when they're able to get behind some of the big initiatives that they're investing in you know, enterprise-wide, you know, so data teams, you know, data engineers, you know, really you know, enterprise data resources that are specifically focused around centralizing and, and warehousing and aggregating customer data in a way that can serve the entire organization. If you can get behind those organizations you know, and get behind that data specifically, then you, you can get into a great place you know, to do some of this stuff. You know, but you know, oftentimes for you know, so much of the market, the data, data systems will be disparate, you know, pipelines won't be consistent, and you'll have marketing teams talk to finance teams and not even agreeing on some of the most basic numbers uh, in the org. So you know, it can be a lot harder than it sounds. Agreed. And and a question for you on that. Like, how are you thinking as you're working with your clients? You know, do are, are they relying on you to bring from a gen AI or even an AI perspective the the bulk of that capability? Or or is it that you're encouraging them to really think through how to best position themselves from a gen AI perspective? I mean, really it's a little it's really a little bit of both. Um, you know, from a platform perspective. You know, in a CDP context, you know, what excites me personally about the opportunity and where we're investing heavily at Simon Data, you know, is really this intersection of, of first-party data, you know, and generative AI. Uh, you know, if you go to OpenAI, you really can't put much first-party data in there. You may put a little bit, and furthermore, you want to be very sensitive around what you do put in there. You know, but if you look at opportunities, you know, around personalization you know, and content as we're talking about here, these very much do lie at the intersection of, you know, Jason lives in Brooklyn, you know, has, you know, a specific type of hair, type and color, ethnicity, X and Y and Z, as opposed to, you know, you know someone who lives in Florida uh, and has a very different type of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, the opportunities we're talking about here ultimately are lie at the intersection of proprietary first party data that, you know, that businesses, you know, have housed over the years and intersecting that with, 
you know, the thousands of ways you can say you know, your value proposition or explain your value proposition or educate you know, the benefits or whatnot. You know, so that's the one half. The other half is just around basic workflow automation. You know, so again, having the machine tell you how to personalize, but then also telling the machine that you want to personalize and have the machine then create the code. Yeah, so a strategy that says you know, anyone you know, who lives in a, in a southern state, and a southern state is a state that has an average temperature of 70 degrees or higher in the winter months, send them this content. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's actually really hard from a technical perspective to code. But you know, everyone listening to this can understand that example very, very simply. You know, it's those kinds of capabilities as well that you know, don't necessarily tell you what to do or do it for you, you know, but execute what you think needs to happen uh, in a way that takes minutes or seconds and not days, weeks, or longer uh, you know, is the other point of focus for us. Makes sense. Thank you. Lockie, we're, we're approaching the, the bottom of the show here. I have one more bonus question for you. Uh, before we, we close out. Uh, and that's if you were to sit down and have the same conversation around you know, data and personalization and brand development with anyone in the world, uh, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, as you said, we don't have a lot of time for that one. But um, the first thing that kind of comes to mind, actually, is, you know, obviously one of the arbiters of, of bringing us to this moment, right? You think about the iPhone and what it's done and collapsing all the things that are on our desk and having computer in our product, in our pockets. And well, I, I really have to think, you know, gosh, wouldn't it be great to sit down with Steve Jobs and, and just kind of pick his brain on where we are today and seeing how quickly, right, the velocity of change and how that has increased. But then there's also some downsides, right, that we have in our society through the use of these phones and particularly with children, right? I would love to just talk to him about that and his perspective on where we are. And now with Gen AI and deep fakes and all the things that are a bit more controversial, I would love to hear his perspective on that. Yeah, no, I mean, the technology is changing incredibly quickly and we could devote many, many shows to uh, <laughs> you know, regulatory compliance. You know, but the fact of the matter is, I think you know, consumer expectations are having to shift because the technology is moving so quickly. Uh, and I think they're, they're fascinating topics and you know, love that response. Well, you know, closing out first, Lockie, thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, really, when I reflect on the you know, headline of the conversation, it's you know, all the technology, all the data, all the Gen AI capabilities that we talk about on the show that we focus on at Simon Data that many of you and our listeners, you know, build on day in, day out. You know, it's all in pursuit of a singular goal. And that's to, you know, you really put, take your brand, take your value proposition and put it in a way, you know, in front of your customers that really helps them, you know, helps them get it. You know, I think the, you know, the story that, that, that you brought to our listeners today, Lockie, I think was fantastic. You know, really excited to see where, where it goes, you know, with the, with the venture uh, and all the future potential as well, you know, but I think it's a fantastic story and it's just a great, you know, a great case study example that we can all you know, you know, keep in mind as we sometimes you know, get to work and you get so lost in the details of the execution and the strategy that sometimes it's very easy to forget what problem you're actually trying to solve. You know, so Lockie, you know, anyone listening, you might want to um, you know, learn more about, about Catalyst Consulting uh, or get in contact with you. How, how could they do that? Yes, uh, I try to keep it simple. It's Lockie Andrews on all of the majors, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, you can find me there. And I'm also releasing an article on all of this and our ways and approaches and how we're doing this at Rich Hair Care and growing, leveraging generative AI so they can follow along. Great. Uh, and thank you to everyone listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com 
or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to The Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.